Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. We hope that you are encouraged by these messages and that God will continue to bless you. And now, today's sermon. And I'm going to start with a sermon illustration that's going to do two things for me. It's going to be a sermon illustration, but it's also going to be an advertisement for something that's coming up. So in the military, many times we'll say, give me the five W's. In other words, the basic who, what, when, where, and why of something that's coming up. Here's an example of the five W's of something that's coming up here in this hospital that I want you to know about. It's going to be a prayer breakfast on May 2nd. So who is that prayer breakfast for? It is for active duty, service members, staff, patients, DOD, civilians, retirees, everybody who can come to this base, you are more than welcome to come. That's the who. What is it? It is the prayer breakfast in conjunction with the National Day of Prayer. So what? It's the prayer breakfast. Who? What? When? May the 2nd. That is the National Day of Prayer. And we're going to have a guest speaker, Dave Reaver. He's a Vietnam veteran. Uh, we're excited about having him. It's going to be a great event. Who? What? When? Where? you got to tell everybody where. It's not, it's, not, it's not enough just to say when. Where are they supposed to go? The Warrior Cafe on, on May the 2nd. Who? What? When? Where? Why? Why to uh, celebrate the National Day of Prayer and to provide an opportunity for this Walter Reed community to have spiritual resiliency and, and to pray together and to have a, have a great time together. That's the five W's, right? That's what we talk about. When I look at this passage, I, I could not help but think about God sort of giving us the five W's here in this idea that God is with us. This idea about God being so great and marvelous, it literally screams off the pages of Psalm 139, which you've already heard just a portion of. I want to start in just a moment by reading verses uh, 1 through 5. And as I was studying, I ran across an old song that I thought about playing, but after being blessed spiritually with these songs, I don't want to ruin the mood with, with some song that doesn't really have anything to do with the Lord. But if I played the beginning of it, I won't try to hum it for you, but you know how it goes. And it's the song, Every Move I Make, I'll Be Watching You. So that was a big song back in its day. I did a little research and found out, boy, this song, it was, you know, every move I make. So here's the text of that song. It's really a, it's really a creepy song if you analyze the text a little bit. <laughs> it, it, initially, it's kind of like, ah, oh, this, this guy, he loves her and he's watching her. No, he's, he's letting her know something a little bit different. He's saying even though she really doesn't reciprocate the same affection that he has, he wants her to know I'm still watching you. Here's what it says. Every breath you take... Every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. And some of you could sing it right now, right? Every single day, every word you say, every game you play, every night you stay, I'll be watching you. Oh, can't you see you belong to me? My poor heart aches. If I didn't know the tune, it sounds more like a country song. <laughs> but if you heard it, obviously it's not. Uh, with every step you take, every move you, move you make, every vow you break, every smile you fake, there you go, every claim you stake, I'll be watching you. Well, he was real serious about watching whoever that was, but I will say this, when we get done with this passage, there's going to be no doubt that in a very different and real way, God is watching us. I'll say on the front end that because of that, we can trust him. And the psalm ends with the idea of because of all these five W's of God, <laughs> we can ask God to search our very souls because 
we can trust him to lead us in the right way. Well, let's look at this passage together. Uh, the outline's very simple. It is who, what, when, where, why, if you like to take notes. It's going to be very, very simple. But let's start in uh, Psalm 139, and let's read verses 1 through uh, 6. I think we started in verse 7 earlier, but let's read 1 through 6. Again, a Psalm of David. This was intended... Uh, over the years, many uh, Christians and many uh, of God's uh, people over the years have sang this as a, as a psalm to the Lord. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. By the way, that's everything, right? You're either, you're either down or you're up in some kind of way. That's what he's trying to say. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. Just in case you didn't know, sit down, lying up. Oh, lying down too, let's cover that. He's trying to cover everything. You are acquainted with all my ways. Verse 4, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. It is high, I cannot attain it. And then the next verses are what we've already read, and we'll continue to look at these verses uh, together. Uh, before we look at the who, I just want you to notice a couple of things in those first verses. I want you to look at the verb, the action verbs in that passage. Verse 1, God has what? He has searched. He's known. Look at verse 2, you understand. Verse 3, you comprehend. You're acquainted. Verse 4, you know altogether. Verse 5, you, is, you have hemmed me in. The word know dominates this chapter. It shows up, best I can tell, six times in some shape, form, or fashion. Specifically, the word know. Even in different English translations, the word know pops up. Verse 1, verse 2, verse 4, verse 6, verse 14, and verse 23. This idea of God knowing permeates the passage, and because of that, I think we can see the five W's of God. Let's go through them right now. Number one, God knows who you are. <laughs> God knows who I am. This is an idea that God is very personal. He says in one place, not even dark is dark to you. Night shines like the day. He's trying to say that nothing is hidden from God. Uh, theologians over the years have used several words to describe God, all with the beginning prefix omni, meaning all, right? In this, you could say that God is omniscient. He knows everything about me. God knows my heart. Oh, and by the way, that cuts two ways. I've, I've heard over the years, maybe in, in, in someone trying to justify their actions, they'll boldly proclaim, you know what? I don't answer to any of y'all because God knows my heart. <laughs> well, that's all well and good until you really start thinking about, wow, God really does know my heart. Because usually that's not my problem. I don't know about you. I, I don't find myself really having to stand up and say that. What I have to wrestle with in my own life is I'm really good at making sure everybody around me thinks I'm good, but then I stop and say, God knows my heart. It, it doesn't become amen. It becomes a little more of oh me. I hope, that, I hope that we all think that because I think God wants us to. God wants us to understand. God knows me. He knows my heart. 
He knows my actions. He knows my words. He even said in there, he knows me before I even say them. My wife, Cheryl, she's here today. There's many things that uh, you could put me in certain circumstances. She could probably guess pretty good what I'm going to say. But not in every instance. This passage says, before I even utter a word, God knows it. That's because he's all-knowing. His, 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 when you look at the Scripture as a whole, it teaches that God doesn't just know the present. He knows the future. In other words, when God looks at our lives and when God looks at history, it's all one thing to him. Whereas I have a plan for what's going to happen this week. I have, I have it laid out if you went to my office and, and have a little system for all the things I'm going to do. I've got a calendar like probably a lot of people use. But I really don't know what's going to happen. I have some idea. God does, however. God's not up in heaven as a one, uh, uh, one theologian, uh, I believe he was wrong. He said that God's like a really good chess player. He said that uh, the world's sort of like a big game of chess and God just guesses all the moves really good. I think, it, I think he's way off the mark. God, it's not so much that God's a chess player. God already knows who won the chess, and he, he, can, he can win if he wants to because he's going to win when it's all said and done. God knows who you are. God knows who I am. This passage says he, he knows, what did I say? Sitting down, standing up, lying down. That pretty much covers all the places we're going to be, right? He's letting us know God knows who we are. Number two Again, five W's. God knows. God knows what we are. We read this passage earlier, but if you go back to, to what Miss Sarah read for us, it says, in verse uh, 7, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Go down to verse 13. You form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. What you'll notice is that there's overlap in the ways we describe God's knowledge in this chapter. When we think about how God knows who we are, it also reminds us that God knows what we are because he is telling us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Other places we would say, in the image of God, in Genesis it says, God created them, male and female. This idea of being created in the image of God. Let me share with you what uh, Al Mohler, he's president of Southern Seminary, and he had a great comment about this passage. Let me share it with you. He said, we can see expression and personality in the womb. We can see a baby suck its thumb in the womb. We can see a baby grab its foot in the womb. We can see a baby smile and grimace in the womb, all in context of the passage we just read about being fearfully made. Only God saw that before, but we have been now allowed a glimpse because of our technology, he means. And what we see is what God's always been doing. And he says this, respect for life is not based on the fact that we worship life but instead based on the fact that we know and worship the creator of life, the sovereign of life. God knows what we are. What are we? We are humans created in the image of God. 
How much would it change your life and change my life if we lived our life and every single person we met face to face, we thought before we ever spoke or made a judgment about them, this person's made in the image of God. Facebook would just shut down, I guess, because you wouldn't have anything to say because we treat everybody with such reverence, with such holy respect that half the, most of the stuff on there would go away. I will praise you, the psalmist says, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I love verse 6. reminds me of Theo's song. It's too wonderful. I, I, can't hardly, I can't hardly attain it. I can't hardly fathom it. God knows what we are. God knows that we're made in the image of God. I hope that you know today that, that you are special because you are made in the image of God. We live in a world where many people are broken because someone has treated them in a way that is not like they're in the image of God. May I remind all of us that we're made in the image of God. God knows who you are. God knows what you are. And by the way, as his children, when we do fail him, when I say, as opposed to God knows my heart, when I go, oh my, God does know my heart. God knows what I am. And he loves me anyway. And he draws me to himself and says, I seek restoration. I seek forgiveness because God knows what I am and loves us anyway. Uh, number, number three, what do we say? So what's next? Who, what? Who, what, when? God knows when we are. And what do you mean by God knows when we are? Well, this passage says that God knows my inward parts while I was being formed in my mother's womb knit together God knew uh, that tells me that, that God knew me before I was born Amen. that has this idea of that omniscience he knows the path go back to verse 3 he said you search out my path and my lying down and he says he says you're acquainted with my ways he, he's carrying this idea that, that he knows my ways. This passage I'll share with you uses a literary technique throughout the chapter called, some people call mirrorism. What I mean by that is he'll use two different things to say the same thing or to, or to kind of be, this is all encompassing. For example, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. He's, he's mirroring those two things to carry the idea that, that he's, he, he knows all of it. We may say, I've looked high and I've looked low. One of Cheryl's favorite phrases, my wife, to hear coming out of my mouth is, where's my, and then fill in the blank. I'm just kidding. It's not her favorite phrase. And, and I'm trying to learn not to say that. Because sometimes I'll say, well, I've searched everywhere. And then she or somebody else in the house will, they'll search somewhere where I haven't searched. Well, most of the time, I can't honestly say I've searched high and I've searched low. I've searched a little bit. That's not true with what God is saying here. He knows the high. He knows the low. He knows the sit down. He knows the rise up. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. Look down at verse 16. We haven't read this yet. Your eyes, that is God's eyes, he saw my unformed substance. David's taking it a step further back. Not only did he know my birth... Not only did he know before my birth when I was in the womb, he knew me before I even existed. In your book were written every one of them. What is the them? He says it. In the book are the days that were formed for me when as yet there was 
none of them. In other words, God knows when we are. We are very much on God's timetable. We might say in the military, he is very much tracking you and tracking me. He, he, he is very much aware of where we are in the scheme of things. Because of that, we can trust him. This idea of God knowing, he knows our timetable. There's times in my life when I get caught off guard. There's times in your life where curveballs come, right? Where you don't know what's going to happen next. None of that stuff caught God off guard. And many people over the years have come to me as a pastor, and many, some of you have experienced this too, and they'll ask, well, why did this happen or why did that happen? And many times I don't, I don't have an answer in specific human terms. But what I can say is that somehow for God's children, I believe God knows the when. He's somehow tracking these things. And because of that, we at the end of the day can trust God. God knows who. He knows what. He knows when. He knows where. Thank you. God knows where we are. Nothing is hidden from God. These things very much overlap, but I want to introduce another term to you. We've said God is omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. God is also omnipresent. He is spirit, which means he is actually everywhere. Where can we go? What did, what did the psalmist say? Where can I go from your spirit? We read earlier. Where shall I flee from your presence? Where can we go? The answer being, being nowhere. I can remember when I was little one time, I ran away. I was about nine years old. It was one of those kind of runaways. You know, it wasn't a real runaway. It was one of those, I'm mad, so I'm going to be brave enough to go uh, on a street that probably about 12 people lived on in a town that about 2,000 people lived on. I almost made it to the red light. Well, then I was scared I was going to get in trouble, so I thought, well, I know what I'll do. I'll hide in the building for a little bit. And then what really broke my ego was when it was all said and done, nobody ever knew I was gone. So it just kind of, my inflated view just kind of came crashing down. And, but I think my parents did a good job of, of reminding me they loved me and all that good stuff. But I was, what was I doing? I, I was scared to get in trouble, but I was hiding. Well, this passage is saying, where can I go from God's spirit? Where can I go from God's presence? So on the one hand, when we're thinking in our minds and we, we know our own hearts and we say, oh my, God knows my heart. There is no hiding from him. There's nowhere we can go on, one, on the one hand where we can hide our sin from God. Uh, we live in a world where we have many, many systems in place to make sure people are doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, you, you go to work and... Um, you can, you can, there's things you can't do on your computer that are even legal because we're trying to protect, make people from doing things that are illegal, that are cost the, cost the government or the company money or, or those kinds of things. We have those systems in place. We have people do urinalysis uh, to make sure we're, we're not doing drugs. We do all these things, but yet, and, I, and I've only been in the Army for uh, five and a half years, uh, I've already had plenty of experiences where people have tried to hide things that we have systems in places to get caught from. Because in the, at the end of the day, no matter what we put in place, there's always going to be times when we go, I can hide this. I can get away with no one's going to be hurt with this. But this passage says that where can I go from his spirit? Where can I go from his presence? Nowhere. Because God knows where we are. But on the other hand, when maybe I think, no one is, has any idea of what I'm going through or where I am. Guess what? God knows where I am. 
uh, those days when I come and and, and maybe like David, if you if you look down to uh, verse 19, it's interesting. He has these beautiful things to say about God. And then as David does many times in the psalm, and honestly, we don't know what to do with it sometimes. Look at verse 19. He says, Oh, that you'd slay the wicked, O God, the men of blood depart from me. What happened to pretty birds chirping and God's with us and all? It's like, oh, these wicked people all around me. David goes back to that. Because David's living in a real world where evil things are happening. And David is asking God to do something. Even in those days, David is also telling us, where can I go from God's presence? Even when the bad stuff's doing whatever, and even when the bad people are doing whatever it is they do, where can I go? God knows who you are. God knows what you are. He knows when we are. He knows our time. And he knows where we are. There's one more of those five W's, right? And it's the why. As I I shared the illustration at the beginning, everything we do as an event in like the military, we say, give me the five W's. You need to answer that why. If you can't answer the why, you might want to rethink doing the who, what, and when, where, if you can't answer the why, why? Well, I don't know, just because that's what we have to do. Hopefully, there's a good reason why. Well, God answers the why very, very clearly. I want to go back to look at this passage, in particular, where God, I mean, excuse me, where David complains about the enemies. Look at verse 19. Let's keep reading that. We haven't read it yet. He says, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. The men of blood depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Verse 21, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. As David struggles with this concept, on the one hand, he's given us all these beautiful statements about who, how God knows us and he knows about us and all these things. He goes about these enemies. He, these, these men, were, they were wicked in their actions, in their intentions, their words. He talks about their agendas. They were enemies. I'll throw another word out there. We said God's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. I borrowed this from Danny Aiken, a pastor. He said God's also omnicompetent. In other words, he could take care of stuff. Here's what I think part of this why piece is. Look at the, look at the rest of the chapter. Two verses, 23 and 24. David's final answer to the W's of God. God knows the who, what, when, where of you and me. He knows the who, what, when, where of David. David turns around and has some genuine, legitimate things he shares with the Lord. His answer to all that, I think, is where the why is. He simply says to God a prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Because, by the way, he's already established that he does, but he's inviting God to. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way, some translations say wicked way, in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The why of all these five W's is that we can trust God so much that we can invite him into the depths of our soul to know us so intimately. And we ask God 
to make us into what he would have us to be. In just a few moments, we're going to have communion. When we take communion, we are identifying ourselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, we are saying to God, God, we recognize that we need you. We recognize that you saved us, as that song said, and you delivered us. And that we take this bread and we drink this cup together to remind us of the why. God, we ask that you search us. We ask that you know everything about us, and we ask that if there's anything in us that needs to be removed, because we've already recognized you know it anyway, we're simply praying, God, would you do that in my life? God, would you restore me and lead me in this way everlasting? That is the why is God, because I know you know me so intricately, I'm inviting you to continually make me into what you would have me to be. Let me pray for us and then we'll take our communion together.